Hello, my beautiful angel beans, and welcome to today's episode. This episode is very exciting for me because I am chatting with my cousin, Lorena. Now, Lorena is, if you guys have listened to um, an episode with my cousin, Giselle, Lorena and Giselle are sisters. Um, Giselle's the little sister, Lorena's the big sister, and she... Lorena has her own podcast. She recently started her own podcast called The Pooch and it's kind of her twist or her take on a different kind of parenting podcast and she's really big on talking about a lot of the pressures that you feel when you become a new mum and kind of what goes down as far as all the unsolicited comments and feedback. But then separate to all of that, a lot of the things that she would look up and see um, online and with different influences and mum influences was that everything looked so perfect and kind of so easy and at times it looked effortless. And then she kind of enters this new experience in her life and she's like, wait a minute, I'm managing to get by fine. I'm, you know, I think I'm doing a really good job as a parent, but it is a fucking shit show and it's not what, you know, she couldn't really find what she wanted to find. So she kind of started her own podcast to talk about all the, you know, chaotic side of everything. And it's just really, really good. You you have to go and listen to her podcast, The Pooch, but definitely stay tuned and listen to this whole episode. We just have a really good conversation. This episode is all about talking about um, identity. I'm really big on understanding, you know, someone's identity and when you have a child, whether you're a mother or a father, when you have that kid um, and how that affects your sense of self and your identity and does it completely take over or are you able to still keep who you are, who you always were, and make this just an addition to your life and part of your new identity. So I really talk about that because I really, you know, think about that all the time about when I do go on to have kids. Um, And then we also talk about, you know, unsolicited comments, pressure, baby brain, and the baby brain thing is something that I'm going to bring in as my brain fact. So I'm going to break that down now, and then we're going to follow through with the conversation straight after that. So Let's go straight into the brain fact, which is baby brain. So baby brain is actually known, it's actually a thing. So if you guys have kids and if you've gone through this, also known as pregnancy brain, or it can also be known as mum brain, but it's this kind of forgetfulness brain fog that you go through. And it's pretty much the inability to hold focus for as long as you normally would. Um, Also retrieving you know, vocab, words, just, you know, things that you'd normally find really easy is all of a sudden like you're just drawing blanks and you're finding it really hard to kind of come up with those words or forgetting what you had just gone into that room for more so than usual. I mean, we all get it. Um, and it's actually a thing, like it, there's a real science behind it. So you're not crazy if you think that you're losing your mind when you're pregnant or when you've just had a child. And it what actually happens, and this is fucking fascinating, is that your brain goes through quite a few plastic plasticity changes when you are pregnant. So you actually get a, a reduction in gray matter, which is your neurons and you know um, synapses, a reduction in the gray matter in certain areas of the brain, and then an increase in gray matter in other areas of the brain. So your brain when you're pregnant, it starts to prune back certain regions that's going to help adapt the brain and grow other regions that's going to help adapt the brain for when the baby is born. So there's going to be certain things that you find that you're way more acutely aware of. Your senses are a lot more refined and heightened to the extent that sometimes things repulse you and you can't like smell something or taste something because there's so much plasticity and like new connections um, firing up in the brain. It makes you so much more aware of of, you know, what's going on because it makes you a more primed, ready 
parent when that child arrives. So you're probably way more aware of your surroundings. Lorena speaks about how she found that she was a lot better with her like knowing where she was, she normally would always get lost in a shopping centre or get lost not knowing which direction where she came from and that really improved after having a child. But it's different for everyone, but there's definitely a lot of changes that happen. But don't freak out. It always kind of finds its homeostasis and goes back to normal, but your brain does go through these big changes. And this um, baby brain, like brain fog thing is due to this like crazy shift in like different hormones. So you're getting an increase in estrogen, progesterone, huge increases in oxytocin um that's like the bonding hormone it's the it's probably the strongest burst of oxytocin that you're ever going to get is well that humans will ever get is when during childbirth and that's to bond with the child and it helps you become more protective with the child um but when you get this huge surge of of hormones that's going to create this brain fog as well and then to add to that you're getting disrupted sleep you're getting increased stress your body and your mind is under stress you know the workload stress the emotional stress changes in your social dynamic all of that morning sickness all of that is going to contribute to this brain fog um, not just the hormones alone so there's like it's a multi-pronged approach for why you feel that way Um, and normally this brain fog brain frog brain fog will last probably for some people as early as the first trimester and it can go up it can go up to two years but in most cases women will start to feel more like themselves six months postpartum Um, but what I find really really interesting is that women who breastfeed are more likely to have brain fog or baby brain for a lot longer, pretty much for the duration of them breastfeeding or maybe a little bit longer. Because when you breastfeed, you're still releasing a huge amount of hormones that doesn't get released when you're not breastfeeding. So it all goes back to normal. It's not a good or a bad thing. It just is what it is. But the longer you breastfeed, you're probably more likely to experience, not for everyone, but you might find that you're experiencing that brain fog and it's kind of like, why the fuck is this happening? you're getting all this release of prolactin, oxytocin, all of that. And it causes like this mix of hormones causes all those symptoms. But, and then on a fucking side note, this is just a random fun fact. In a rat model study, they found that breastfeeding and that release of oxytocin was more rewarding and addictive than cocaine. But this is in a rat model. Let's just be clear about that. Lol. And so we obviously don't know how that translates in humans for many reasons. The main one being that would be an extremely unethical study to run. Can you imagine? Can you fucking imagine? Anyway, so brain fact aside, let's get straight into uh, the conversation with my cousin Lorena. She's fucking legend. You're going to love her. And of course, if you find it interesting, then definitely go check out her podcast, The Pooch. Okay, so welcome to my beautiful cousin Lorena. We've got her in. Hello. I'm so excited to have Lorena here because Lorena, as I've mentioned in my little intro, because guys, the way it works, I actually am recording this podcast. And then I record the intro after. So I'm thinking like <laughs> it's weird that we're just going straight into it because I haven't actually recorded the intro that you just heard. But you guys have heard my cousin Giselle on the podcast. My gorgeous little sister. And yes, yeah, so Giselle is, yeah, it's the shit happens literally podcast. <laughs> Poor and child. this is her sister Lorena. Who's never shit herself. Never. Not so far. Herself. Close. Well, I don't know. After everything we're going to talk about in yeah. today's episode, maybe you're on the brink of something. I might be right now. Yeah, you could be shitting yourself <laughs> as we speak. Yep. Hopefully not because I'm right across from you, so that would suck. <laughs> but I'm, I'm actually so happy that you're here because then it would have – so we grew up, Lorena, my sister Stephanie, Giselle and myself, we grew up 
the four of us and we were the four C's and we always did everything together and I feel like you're like the missing piece of the puzzle to be interviewed on the podcast Ooh. as the four C's and now all the audience knows who you are. So I've already done a whole bunch – I would have already done a whole bunch of things in the intro and I think what I want to start with is Lorena has just launched her own podcast and I think it's really cool to talk about a whole bunch of topics that you do talk on the podcast in a very condensed version in this episode but can you – give an intro into what you do, who you are and why the podcast came about. Yeah, so my podcast um, is known as The Pooch, known as by like the three people that listen to it so far, <laughs> known as. My podcast is The Pooch. Uh, the Pooch refers to basically um, the fat skin that sits on your tummy and after you have a baby, it doesn't look the way it used to. So the whole purpose of my my pooch, the whole purpose of my podcast is um, for – New mums, mostly new mums, parent like any parent really, but it's it's kind of targeted at new mums taking the pressure off, um, having to feel basically perfect after having a kid, bouncing back physically, metaphorically into like a life that you kind of never expected that you were going to be in as a new mum. So yeah, yeah, and I think it and it kind of navigates a lot of the topics of um, identity. When you become a mum, yeah. especially yeah. with the first child, yeah. I feel that this you know. Because f- we were talking about this earlier, but it's this idea of I now identify as a mother yeah. and who, what is my identity as an individual. Yeah. It covers a lot of the pressures that you get from even like really well-meaning people. Yeah. But this idea of are you ever going to do something right, really? No. You're never going to please everyone, especially as a mum, because yeah. every everyone who has been a mother or a father um, – has got their way of doing something and they're going to perceive certain things as being right and other things as, oh, you're doing it the long way around. Oh, you must – oh, exactly. you're wasting so much time doing it that way. Like you're never going to please everyone. Yeah. You're always going to have – so if you have this idea of trying to live up to what is correct, um, I think that would be really overwhelming as well. Um, it's also totally – and it's like, you know, what expectations do you set within yourself? Like what idea do you have from society about what a good parent is? Mm. Um and kind of that those pressures within you that make you go, I'm failing constantly mm. because I'm just not meeting the standards that in my mind make a good mum. So totally. Yeah. But I also feel, and you could probably talk to me about this, what I'm also really fascinated about is the transition, just even in your own head, of going from only ever really looking after yourself yeah. to then having another human in your life like to me that is the hardest thing to grasp about when the day comes that I have children yeah because I I'm really worried in the sense of like I don't crave kids like I see other people crave kids but then that was my mum she never craved kids and then she had Stephanie and I and adores us obviously so I'm always like I just to be honest I think I and I've spoken about this on my podcast where I'm not about scaring people off but I'm also not about pretending like it's all good like that's that's the shit that confuses people when they have kids it's so fucking hard yeah and it is you become so my experience was just to give you a a two second fucking whip around literally yeah yeah i had almost four days of labor before having an emergency cesarean with my Mm. baby which was totally not my plan i was like totally gonna have a natural birth in water drug free yeah i'm like uh, my goal in life was to chew marijuana leaves and give birth that's apparently they do that in hawaii and i can't do that in australia um just (laughs) that was my that was my level of painkiller that was my goal I ended up having an emergency Caesar and what happens straight after, which I never expected, and that's a whole shift and like suddenly you're a parent. 
literally suddenly. The baby mm. comes out, it's in your arms, that's it. From that point on, you are no longer just you. Even going to the toilet, I mean, imagine having surgery anyway and then having to go to the toilet. Yeah. Then having a baby in your arms on top of that, that you have, you don't know anything about, you don't know what you're doing. It's complicated. It's yeah. so incredibly stressful. And um, to just see other people around you doing it and seemingly doing it so seamlessly mm. is what makes it much worse. That's why I'm all about just put it all on the table. Like the reality of it is that's that's where you're going to live potentially. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you get through it but it's it's hard. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And then it's also – so then can you also talk about your transition from what you were doing, mm. you were working full-time mm. and then you took a year – yeah, so I, I took a year off. I was working full time. I um I I work um in the disability sector. I deliver a lot of training. I work with a lot of managers, um and I kind of you know quite an independent person. I've always liked my own space. I'm a super you know if I could hide away in a cube by myself for the rest of my life, I'd be so happy. <laughs> I'm such a loner, in that sense. Um also. So in the same way, love to go out, love to party. You it's know, it's like the two extremes. Two extremes, yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah, yeah. two yeah. extremes. I'm the same. Like I could be so social, but if you, I, yeah. if I don't get to be alone at least for a section of every oh, day, then I lose the plot. Drained, completely yeah. drained. And then um, suddenly, I had a baby. I took a year off work, and I, I mean, obviously, I went through all the stages of like learning about my baby, the things that I had to do. Um, but I literally spent a year strolling through the shops. Yeah, that's what I did. You know, amongst yeah. all the baby things, but <laughs> yeah, I literally yeah, yeah. spent Just every single day down. strolling through the the shops, like inside out, back to front. I'd wake up the next day in the pram, <laughs> off we go, because that's the yeah, only way yeah. I could get her to sleep. That's the only way I could get some like just something different to do other to be sitting in my lounge room yeah. Then lockdown happened. Then I was locked inside and that like just adds a whole, a whole layer other layer. Of, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Definitely. Absolutely crazy. But yeah. life just flips upside down. And then after a year going back to work part time and just like the feelings that you have or the feelings that I had the first day I had to go back into the office and leave her behind mm. with my parents, obviously trust them every fiber of my being but still it's that sense of like but that sh- that should be me yes shouldn't be someone yeah. else it and you're so used to being literally physically attached literally physically, physically attached, attached to that child non-stop. for the last non-stop even to, to days. like i came here this morning on my own mm. and it's so weird i don't know what to do with my arms because i'm used to pushing a pram or carrying now she's two yeah i'm still like i i fold my arms I'm like this feels weird I feel, it's such a weird <laughs> yeah, feeling you're so attached yeah but at that point it's like you had i had her in my arms 24 7 I would have to take breaks during the day to pump in a little room. My yeah. boss was amazing. She kind of set up a little pumping room. And then I had to talk about it in the office. And it's a bit of an awkward topic even in today's day. So I, I would say oh, I'm going fishing. And my boss knew that meant I was going to go pumping in another room. Yeah. To, to get like my milk. For my, it was just, oh, it's like such a different thing to then think back to go, well, I used to get myself, just myself ready in the morning. Get myself, just myself to work. At a time that was completely up to me, there'd be no disruptions. I could manage my whole day seamlessly to then having the complete opposite. Mm. And I'm a hot mess on a good day. It's disaster territory most of the time. And that's what I find so, so hard to wrap my head around when I think like exactly what you just said. Like Mm. I see people and people manage all the time. Mm. Like they go from living a life of total independence, running by their own timetable, doing everything by their own timetable and all of a sudden – they are adapting to a life where they are literally 
everything's flipped upside down. And I literally look at that and I think like how, how? I can't, I just yeah. can't wrap my head around I, how I would do that with my life. I know. But I, I know. guess it's better not to Well, I, I think, yeah, no, I think definitely don't plan it. No, right. if you plan it, that's when, that's when shit like hits the fan. It's like the typical thing that you used to happen when we would leave the house when she was a newborn mm. um, was we would get everything ready. We would leave. Imagine, you know, you're planning to leave the house at 8 because you've got to be somewhere at 8.30. Mm-hmm. If you, in my case, if I thought leaving the house at 8 meant I'd be getting in the car and then arrive at the other place at 8.30, I'm kidding myself because the moment we'd, I'd get her strapped into the car seat, it is like a laxative. She would shit herself yeah. then and I'd have to change. <sighs> and a newborn doesn't just do a little poo. No, everything it goes everywhere. gets covered. Yeah. I'm sure this is the first time you've spoken. Oh, no, it's not the first time you've spoken about poo on your podcast. <laughs> no, Giselle. no, it's Giselle. There's a common thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no. So yeah. It's, yeah, it's like everything gets flipped up, flipped upside down, and it's I don't say this shit to turn you off. Yeah, it's just when you then, or if you then live through the same experience, you don't feel like you're the only one, and that's my whole thing. That I literally felt like, why am I the only one going through these feelings or going through these experiences? But I feel like this could be. I don't know if this is a cultural thing or if it's just a you know. Obviously, there's so many factors involved. But for example, when you look at social media mm-hmm. and you see like different kind of mum blogs and this and that. And a lot of the things that's out there, to be fair, I'm not targeted with too many mum things at the moment. But I see, you know, influences that are mothers and whatever. And they – the image that you get is that it's like this perfect seamless experience where everything's just like so beautiful and whatever. And you know that it's not. Like obviously you understand that there's no way that it could be an easy thing. But then when you look at like other cultures and and I feel like – I, don't, I can't speak for Australia. I personally have never experienced having a child, obviously. But I feel like in certain cultures it's like the community raises the child. Yeah. Like it's – like for example, I did an exchange to New Caledonia and my host family was Kanak, which is the natives of New Caledonia. Yeah. And they were – you literally are raised by the whole community. And to the extent that you would parent your own child but you would – if the other kids are around, you'd be parenting the whole yeah. – group of people and I thought that was incredible and I feel that if you were raised in that situation and if you're a young mum in that situation it probably you are already aware of what is to come you are already aware of the pressures and what's hard 100% okay think about this and I and I learned about this in my birthing class because I'd had to do a birthing class before having my baby that as a as a woman in our society we never witness childbirth until our own yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Whereas in cultures like that or in, in places where women, let's say, gather around a birthing mother mm-hmm. um, and and they all witness childbirth, you, you'd you witness the, you know, the birth of your cousins, of your siblings. Yes. Of, you, you'd witness your aunties and other relatives, you know, having – going through the experience of childbirth, the good, the bad and the ugly, the best case scenario, the worst case scenario, yeah. you would have – either heard or seen about it all, uh, you know, seen all of it. Yeah. Whereas in our society you literally experience it for the first time when you're birthing a human. Totally. That alone, let alone parenting in general. And the first year of it. 100%. And fir- yeah. 100%. Yeah. And that's that's to me where I feel like I've spoken about it on the pooch where, I t- you know, where I think there's a bit of an issue with – masking trying to put like this a bit of a filter on what's really happening the real struggles and you know all for 
I, you know, I, I get ready for the day, I put makeup on, I do exercise, I do things that make me feel good, but I, I'm not in favour of pretending that mm. it's all good. So this, you know, social, you know, you scroll through social media, you look at anything mum blog related, it all looks really beautifully curated. Mm. And what's probably behind the camera is probably like a Chaos. shit stain on Chaos. the curtain, <laughs> vomit over there, yeah. food smashed on the floor, yeah. leftovers in the fridge that you don't see in these images. As long as you're aware of that, it's okay. It's I think when people are so vulnerable, especially as new mums, super stressed, super mm. run down, when you look at those things and go, why can't my life be like that? That's what I find really damaging. Yeah, and I think that this is like a prime – I feel like with parenting when you're a new parent or just I think not even new – Every time you, yeah. be, you become a parent again yeah. or whatever. I think that it's this idea of, and not just in parenting, but in everything that we do, there's this huge stigma around something not going to plan or failure. Yep. So you don't talk about it. Yep. You don't really show it. And if you show it, you only show it once you've succeeded. You know, like people don't talk about their struggles when they're going through the struggles publicly, exactly. but they're more than happy to talk about it once they've hit what they consider to be success. They'll be like, you should hear my journey of my struggle but they never really spoke about it before because they were ashamed, 100%. you know, at the time to do that. And I think the same goes with parenting. I think a lot of parents, once they've gone over the hurdle of like the, the real, I mean, I don't, I don't know when it would ever get easy, but once they've gone over like the first year or adapting yeah. to the baby, they're probably worried to even talk about it because they might feel like I'm an amateur, I don't know what I'm doing exactly. and everyone else does. 100%. 100%. I think firstly, one thing that um, my husband said Many years ago, many years ago, since we've had Luna, our <laughs> many, daughter. Many, 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 many. I'm so, I'm so <laughs> experienced. Um, was basically don't forget that while she's learning to be a human, we're learning to be parents. Yeah. And I feel like that, that's like that phrase or that thought process is lo- is long lasting because mm. when she's 18, I'll be learning to be the parent of an 18 year old. I've mm. never done that before, so that there's always a first. Yeah. When I have my second, I'll be learning for the first time. To have two kids. To juggle you know, this so whole it, different You're always in, a, in yeah. a learning process. But I, that, exactly what you said, that struggle that we mask, you know, that failure that we mask until after the fact is detrimental to ourselves yeah. and to everyone else. Totally. Because it's like while I'm going through it, I'm drowning, but I'm going to make it seem like I'm not because what's worse than being an amateur? But you are. That's yeah. the whole point. How exactly. are you? How are you meant to be? You can't be three steps ahead when you've never done this before. Totally. You are an amateur. 100%. So, uh, like, allow yourself to be. And, you know, and I like I feel like if I allow myself to be, other new parents will allow themselves to be and we can all kind of be hot messes together as yeah. opposed to pretending when we're all in this shit together. Like, what's the big deal? Exactly. Now, okay, now something I really wanted to touch on and I mentioned it very briefly is identity. Yeah. The concept of identity and – because I – when it comes to the idea of having kids, I want a family. This this is how I look at it. I don't know if it makes sense, but I want a family. But the thought of the actual process of like pregnancy, birth, having a child kind of scares me. I'm like that's a scary concept and one of the biggest reasons why it scares me is the whole identity situation yeah. of like I ident- I'm very clear on who I am and I'm very happy with who I am and I feel like I've built it up it's like a project of mine and I've built it up and I've worked for it and then when you have children that then like the scales fully tip yeah to you are now a I, I I struggle I think that was probably one of my biggest struggles mm. um one of the reasons that I really struggled to go to to like mothers, I mean, they're called parents groups, but only mums show up really. Mm. Um, mothers groups is is because of that whole identity thing that I'm like I'm I'm I happen to be a mother 
and I love being a mother. I absolutely love mothering my child. Mm. Um, I think I do an okay job. To oh, be fair. amazing job. Oh, thank you. Luna no. is amazing. Luna is amazing. <laughs> She's a legend. <laughs> get and her maybe on the podcast. She just happens to, I know, we'll bring her on next. Uh, maybe because she just happens to be a legend or I'm just being really biased. But I love what I love it, but it's, it doesn't form who I am. Yeah. And I struggled with that for a long time because it, for me that's the whole identity. I am, you know, an independent person. I am someone who I've got strong opinions about things. I love to spend time by myself. I love to learn about things. Like I, I'm not, I don't go and wear this badge of like I'm a mother now mm. and mum is my title and like yeah. that's not who yeah. I am. And I f- at some point I feel like does that, is that, should I be? Should I be more like that? Am I missing something? Is there like a bit of a screw loose where I'm like now I'm a mother, I should morph into this person that's, you know, motherly and and I'm, I'm I won't say I'm not maternal because I am towards my daughter, but I just the image of mm. being a mother, as opposed to being me and happening to have a child, yes, is to me two very different things. And my identity struggled with that, and now I'm learning I can just be me yeah. and be a mum. I and don't have to be, you know, you are a mother. And I feel like it can be detrimental for a lot of people to and. Mind you, disclaimer, whatever you call it. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with you being that being like your proudest thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. So that's not what I'm saying. But I think that a lot of people will base their identity so heavily on the fact that they are a mother and they are needed. And we'll go into that in Mm. a second. But that when the child then needs them less and less and less and when they leave the home, then I think they end up feeling irrelevant. You'd lose yourself. Yeah, yeah, you lose yourself. And I'm not saying that it's easy when you, when there's so much of that workload as being a parent. It's, I'm not saying it's an easy thing, but I think it's always trying to find your identity within who you are as an individual yeah. and not lose yourself to being somebody that is needed by the rest of the household. Yeah, look, I think, and in an indirect way, how the way that I view that, I think that still benefits her massively because mm. that's what she sees in me growing up. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like yeah. if I if my whole identity is around being a mother and needing her so much to need me, yeah. as you said, eventually that will fall apart because as she grows up and becomes more independent, you know, she won't need me and that's not going to be the purpose of my existence. Yeah. I would struggle with that if that's all I viewed myself as. I feel that when I, you know, having her has made me want kind of to create this human that's I've, planted in the world and mm. then I leave this well-formed person that's a gift to the planet kind of yeah thing. sounds super cheesy and hippie but but it is like you're trying you're coaching her through these stages of her life so she can be the best person she can be kind and, of and hoping to be a role model to her as well mm. if that makes sense yeah. so if I'm just if if my existence in her life is to need from her so I was telling you this example before where I first dropped her off at um, childcare, and the first experience dropping her off at childcare is horrible. Like I gut wrenching. Yeah. I felt so sick. I sat in the car outside the childcare. I wanted to go back in and pick her up. I could hear her crying. She was with complete strangers. Yeah, yeah. We'd done a, one visit before, but that's like nothing. And I really, you know, I really struggled with letting go in those moments mm. for you know for me, but also for her because she was there suffering, wanting yeah. wanting her mum. And then, you know, a few people said to me around that time, you think this is bad, just wait until you drop her off and she runs into the teacher's arms or gets really excited to be there and barely says bye to you. 
because then you will no longer feel feel that she needs, that she you. needs yeah. you. Yeah. And to to be honest with you, I find that a little bit concerning because I'm like, I no, I don't. I I maybe it'll make me feel a little bit sad that I'm like, okay, bye. Like I don't. Oh, you know. there'll be that little pang of like, yeah. oh, like I wanted that big embrace of goodbye, yeah. and you just like see ya. Exactly, <laughs> but n- like nothing would make me feel happier than to know that she's happy and confident. Yeah, exactly. And if that means that she turns around and gives me a little wink and like see you later, versus sobbing in my arms and having someone pry her out, which yeah. is exactly what had to happen. Totally. I'm happy. I'm more oh, happy. Like my mum said to me, so just a little fun fact about me. In the first few years of school, I was like the biggest, like I was a loner. I, other than Giselle, but Giselle actually had friends. I didn't really have many friends at all. I was just so, so, um, what do you call it? Um, shy. So shy. So, you know, what do you call it? Fucking what's Introverted. The word? Introverted. And my mum said that there would be times where they'd come to, like where the parents come in and see you like a show and tell and she'd see me alone sitting on the little bench eating my like olives by myself. And she was like, that would just break my heart to see you there alone with no friends and all these kids are running around having fun and I'm alone on this little thing. So I feel like it would be worse to know that your child's going there feeling oh I'm alone I don't have friends I don't like it here like that would hurt more I think exactly and I think I think if your if your identity though as a mum is like she needs me she needs me mm. then that's what makes you feel fulfilled in those moments not seeing your kid alone but no, seeing but your then kid embrace you when you're so excited. so excited to see you that's for you though yeah. and that's what I that's what I it doesn't sit well with me no it's it's not for me I want her to grow and flourish as a person. She will need me as long as she does. Yeah. And I'll, I'll always be there for her. And, of course, there'll be times where I need her. But it's not – I didn't create a human so that I can depend on them for this sense of yeah. fulfillment. That's not why and I And you didn't create planet. her to be validated. No. You know, I think a lot of individuals and couples bring in a child into the world to validate the couple, the relationship, or them as individuals – which is obviously not ideal because then how do you then break away from that in the future, yeah. you know? Um, no, yeah. I feel like honestly my husband and I, we, I think we both look at it the same way. We created this person mm. as it like, it's, I sound like such a wanker, <laughs> as a gift to the planet. Yeah, like, you're and and to the way that she's, the way that she is, the way that she's forming and I feel like the way that we parent her collectively mm. is creating this person who's going to be confident express her opinions, want to know more, want to care, want to be generous. Yep. She's struggling to share at the moment, but anyway, we'll get there. <laughs> uh, but, like, you know, that's the whole yeah. purpose, not to give us a sense of completion. Yeah. No way. And I don't think that it matters whether you decide to be a stay-at-home parent no. or whether you're no, no, working. No. I don't think that's that's the identity crisis no. there at all. I'm, I don't think that someone who stays at home is going to have less of an identity than someone who's work. I think it all comes down to how you perceive your role as a parent. hundred percent. You know? hundred percent. I, I could be a at-home mum blogger and talk about mum life 24-7. And still. And still not, you know, still not have this kind of, I'm, I'm a mum, that's all I am, and my child needs me and that's what makes me feel fulfilled. Yeah. No way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Because I get – I sometimes get people that have that identity thing of they kind of – and this has happened a few times where a p- few people in my life who they are so strongly identified as being a mum who kind of said to me, but if family is everything and you, if you don't have – firstly, I've never said I'm never having kids, but yeah. they'll look at me, I'm nearly 33, I'm not even close to getting pregnant, and they'll be like – 
Yeah, but if fa- like family is everything, like it's literally everything. So what would you, how would you feel then if you didn't have a child? And I can stand here and I know for sure that, yes, I want a family. But you still have a family. But I, I have a family. Yeah. <laughs> and the family could even Hello, be. Hello, I might. <laughs> like, exactly, yeah, I fucking have a family yeah. for starters. Some people have family and it's just their friends. Yeah. But also I feel like I genuinely feel that I could go through life with or without children and be very happy at the end yes. of my life regardless. Yeah. But I feel like this, I don't know, there's a lot of pressure around not having kids, having kids, when you do have kids, how to have them, no. you should have two now, why did you have three, is that two? Like well, it's just firstly, firstly let, me, let me break that for you because I have, I always thought I was going to be a mum at like 21. Like mm. that was my, I was like, young mum, blah, blah, blah. No, I was 33 when I had Luna. Yeah. And um, I, to my you know, to my surprise, I still feel kind of, it's crazy, I still feel too young to have kids. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's a, it's actually a good stage now. I think I would have been way too young, way too inexperienced. I know my mum had me much younger, different times. Um, and I don't know, I just feel like it's it's actually a, a nice, firstly, it's not too late no. at all. It's not too late. And when you're ready, You'll never be ready. That's another gift I'll never. give you. Ever be never ready because you never know what's to come. So How can you be ready to have a child? You can't. Never. You actually can't be ready to it have a child. It just has to happen <laughs> and then you roll with if it. You're ready, if, you're, if you literally think you're ready to have a child, it means that there are that many free gaps in your, t- in your day-to-day life <laughs> yeah. that need filling because a child will fill up your whole life, right? So you, you can't be ready because you actually have to drop things to pick yeah something up yeah totally so if you're ready you're literally lying just waiting bored in a bed sitting there waiting going, well, yeah. what can i do because i'm bored that, yeah. that doesn't exist no do you know what i mean but i just i just think that pressure and that you know if if everything is family yes okay it might be but you're talking about someone needing you yeah. in order to feel that sense of family yeah i think that's that's a personal right. problem exactly you know and to feel that the only way to feel a sense of family is if you've reproduced, but that's yeah. not at all. That's no. having children, but that's not family. That's right. Family is encompassing so much more of exactly. that. Yeah. Exactly. And maybe that comes back to our society where we've got, you know, yeah, really um, individualistic ideas about family. Yeah. You know, my my partner, my children, my, my lineage as yes. opposed to the, the village that's around me. Totally. Well, that's how I feel. I feel like regardless if I have children or not, I feel like I'm always banging on about my family. <laughs> you know, like you we are have, the we most. Such you're the most, and I'll say this. I'm not just saying because I'm here. You are within our family, probably the most family oriented person I know. Yeah, because you are the first to get the family together, want the family together. You're the first to show up. You, you, the last one to ever drop out of something that's yeah. a family plan. Like, and that's that. You know in that lineage way you don't have your own kids but yeah, still I just live you know, and breathe our family I love 100%. the family thing yeah. so some of us I mean I genuinely think I'm going to have kids but some of us will some of us may not but yeah. that doesn't exclude you know what having I mean having a family yeah, yeah totally so no okay so another topic that I really wanted to cover is unsolicited comments uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah unsolicited comments yeah. as so this is what I find really hard um, in general, but I think it would be really hard when you're a parent, is that you're going to get comments that are well-meaning, comments of people that are like, no, you have to do it this way mm. because they've done it, it, it that way and it worked for them. And then you're going to have comments from people that are trying to 
like you had a podcast where you talk about struggle shaming and mm. it's talk about struggle shaming first. Okay, so to me, struggle shaming, I think I coined the term. I don't know if it, anyone's ever mentioned it before, but it's basically I this think you have. this you think you've got it bad. Imagine how I had it, you know, yeah. more than what you like more kids or yeah. less resources or like, you know, oh wow, you you think you're struggling now. Imagine, you know, having Wait to use reusable nappies and like the stuff that yeah. basically you having more than seemingly having more than others or let's say generations before you and then being like semi mocked for mm. struggling and then you said in the podcast where you'd say oh you think it's bad now huh wait till oh, yeah. dot 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 yeah, 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 and it's yeah. like what are you trying to do to me yeah <laughs> why i don't understand why? why would you instill that fear on people yeah. i think like i said before i think it's to people to be honest about the struggle Definitely. that they're going to face and maybe that's just my nature um i like to be prepared and almost um just surround myself in information so that yeah. it's not shocking when i was preparing for to have a baby i watched one born every minute constantly and i, yeah, was, I, I saw that. childbirth I constantly so yeah. then by the time it went to mine i was like oh here's another one like it's not just like the only childbirth i'll ever witness yeah um but this whole, you know, scaring people by by saying you think you've got it bad now, wait till mm. it's just a way of showing that they've done it before, they had it hard. You you're complaining now, but it's nothing. It's like diminishing your struggles right yes. now. Yeah. Um. There's I don't get why people do that. It's just making the person feel shit for struggling and scared and terrified. For the future, because like, the thing is, like, I feel like with with any struggle in life, you adapt with what you have at hand. 100%. There are people that are always going to have it. You know, and I don't even like making the comparison, but there are people that are going to go through struggles that you wouldn't even fathom, but because they're going through it, they are adapting as they go through it. But from the outside, you could see what someone's going through and say, I can't fathom how you even did that. But then the moment that person finds themselves in the situation, they are adapting with what they have and how they know best. It's kind of like the time thing. Like I thought I was really busy and then I did my master's and I'm like, whoa, oh. but I managed. So then it's kind of the same with when you have a child. 100%. You think you're busy and then you have a child and you manage. Like yeah. people are constantly doing it. I like th- it's possible. I, I honestly think people have like a, a pain not a pain stress, a threshold or a struggle threshold mm. where it's like you kind of – you you respond to what you've experienced so far. So, if you know, I that's why I don't think it's fair to judge people's pain or struggle. No, I don't agreed. because agreed. if I've if I've lived through war, I'm going to have a very different threshold in that regard. Not mm. in all areas of my life, but in that regard, in terms of being feeling safe physically yes. and all that stuff, versus someone who's never been through war but maybe had their house broken into. Mm. That's a totally different threshold of like what you can handle in that in that situation. Um, based on what you've experienced so to me it's like your threshold will move depending on your experience that's how i see it 100 so i think if you know if a new mum like imagine shaming a new mum with one baby and being like oh imagine having twins imagine having octuplets i'm still (laughs) up all night there's always someone that's got it worse than you in that way like always going to be it doesn't mean that you should cope perfectly well because people have because it harder someone in that else regard. who you have no insight into their life exactly has more of a workload you don't than know you if do. the person with octuplets have has 15 servants that yeah, helps them all the time right. so it, the comparison just doesn't make sense exactly and it's not compared against your own experience and what you're capable of handling exactly yeah so then with with unsolicited comments mm. Do you have something that you how, – how you cope with it or deal with it or do you still find still now that you struggle to deal with unsolicited I, comments? Yeah, so here's the thing. I think 
initially, because I was having struggles with my identity as a mum, struggles with just just the sheer like postpartum depression and all Mm. the stuff that comes Mm. with it. And it's like no one really. I think people talk about it if they've if there's like a real obvious like wow this person's really depressed. But you just you're so tired. Your hormones go all over the shop. You're literally in my case. Uh, a milk machine that's all i was hungry mm. constantly thirsty because you're yeah. literally producing milk like it's just you're dirty because yeah. you can't <laughs> yeah, shower yeah, 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 yeah. you're constipated because like all these things are happening at once yeah. your mood is out the window um you're so vulnerable because you're you're new to this you're new but you don't know what the hell you're doing so then the moment someone just plants a little like comment like out into the air it could be something small yeah. just a little comment it's like, to me, it was like a ticking time bomb. Like I, I literally broke down one day because someone was like, oh, are you sure you want to pick her up? Why don't you just let her cry for a few more seconds? And yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, my God, I've broken her. I'm throwing her in the bin. Like my <laughs> yeah. reaction to that was so – because I felt like you might feel for a second you think you know what you're doing. Then that uh, that piece of advice that you didn't yeah. ask for comes your way and you're like – so the moment I finally stepped out of this, this well – and got a little fresher breath of fresh air, I've pushed back down again because yeah. I actually have no idea what I'm doing. Like those bits of it. So I really struggled with that massively at first. But I guess overcoming that, firstly, I guess building a bit of confidence, mm. you know, building a bit of routine, understanding that really I know my baby more than anyone. And that's a that's fact. Right. That's yeah. an absolute fact. But you only learn that once everything kind of settles. Yeah. But then also realising where those bits of advice come from, like looking at other people with empathy. Why do they feel the need to give you these bits of advice? I think it's because they need to feel relevant. Yeah. They did this. It could be – if it's the generation before us, they did this, what you're doing, so many years ago, they want to feel that it still applies and yeah. it's still relevant and they still feel imp- – it's such – a learning curve when you become a parent Massively. that imagine all that you've learnt becoming redundant like that's a that's a re- that's a huge part of your life mm. becoming redundant because other people now know to do things differently so i think 100%. when you can see that the other person's intention is a little bit of you know k- keeping themselves a bit relevant yeah it it doesn't impact your identity and your vulnerability as much. Yeah, if you see where it's coming from. Yeah. 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 That's what i always say like when you interact with someone always try and in your head, get a bit of an idea like what is this person, what's their ideal outcome when they're talking to me? Exactly. Is it to feel important? Because if that's the case, then like most of the time it's they need to satisfy some need within themselves. Yeah. And then when that's the case, you kind of feel a bit calmer, less attacked, totally. less affected. It's by not it. as much about you as it is about them. Exactly. And then you're able to kind of just, okay, I'm yeah. just going to either let it slide or I can say something that's not going to be aggressive, but there's a boundary and here. And – Kind of, I'm not on the other side, obviously, but now my kids too. I have a friend who, with a newborn, and I'm very conscious of it. I'm super conscious of it, but every now and then she asks me a question, and I get this like, <gasps> "I'm here. I've yeah, got yeah, the yeah, answer yeah, for yeah, you," yeah, and yeah. it feels good. So yeah. I understand why people want to throw answers your way. People love, and if they yeah. care about you, they want to be the solution. Exactly. People love exactly. being the solution. I love being the solution. I, love I wouldn't the have solution. the podcast. I have <laughs> exactly. <it. I> <laughs> We love being the exactly. solution. It's just it's yeah. just not understanding the vulnerability of the of the person receiving exactly. it at that point in their life. And if it's the right time for them. Exactly. You know, sometimes yeah. they don't want the solution right now. Yeah. You know. And there are some things that are just dated in, you know, we had mm. this conversation with both our mothers about my daughter's now trying to climb out of the cot. So they both said to me, Well, drop the side, keep it down because then she can climb out safely. 
And I was like, there is no way in hell I'm going to drop the side. Yeah. I've put her in a sleeping bag so she can't lift her leg up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, they bo- both your mum and my mum looked at me like, it's a fact. You just drop the side of the cot. You just, just let them climb out. Let them climb out now. Like, she will face plant if, she, if I let her climb out. That's not <laughs> yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That so is not, you're like shocked. That no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. But, and some things I think th- those bits of advice just seem so like, they looked at each other but like, isn't that what everyone does? Like, yeah. It's, it's the done thing. Like that's just standard. <laughs> it's the standard yeah. rule. That's so, so, you know, funny. times change and, yeah, and exactly. advice changes and, you know, SIDS today, the information about, you know, um, infant – Sudden infant sudden death syndrome. That yeah. one. I don't even remember what it's <laughs> – I just know it as SIDS. Um, is so different to what it was in the 80s. Yeah. Like things just change. Yeah, totally. And I feel like I obviously don't know anything about parenting, but I think that I also was so surprised at how much I learned about the developing when I did – attachment theory mm-hmm. at uni and I'm like wow you learn so much about that process of understanding how how they form relationships in their mind yeah. and how this starts from like a baby yeah. onwards and also the fact that the parent can make actually quite a few mistakes along the way and as long as they have that repair with the child it's fine I Do think you remember, a lot of parents we, freak out we actually spoke about it after mm. you studied that and I said to you that I – because I, I had also learned a bit about attachment theory at Tresillion when my daughter wasn't going to sleep. I had to go yeah. and do this week there where I'd we'd try and do some sleep. She's still not bloody sleeping, so it was fine. Um, <laughs> but they spoke a lot about attachment theory mm. and it was basically this this understanding that, you know, the, the, the way I respond to her can really form her. But I spoke to you after that and I was like, that – even that piece of information scares the shit out of me yeah. because now I feel – this obligation to respond perfectly every at time. all times. Yeah, every time. And it is so hard. Yeah. And then that mum guilt just crept in. Anytime I was like, I just need two seconds and she's crying. Like, if I don't respond now, I'm breaking her. But she's going to be a yeah. sociopath one day. Like, that's it's totally because you know? you're thinking, oh my yeah. God, I missed this cue. Because yeah. they talk about the throw and catch of communication with the child. and the, pe- But it's really not like they say, you can make obviously several mistakes along yeah. the way, quite a few. But the main thing is that repair, coming back you know, them. coming yeah. back and. and then going to the child and repairing whatever. If they're crying to comfort them, if they didn't, if you didn't pick up on the cue, you pick up on it yeah. later. Like it's fine. And I, I think that you yeah. get this idea of like, oh my god, I missed it. Now they're developing in a different totally. way. It's a numbers game. You've got to look at it. It's like eighty percent of the time, if yeah. you're doing this, they're going to stick to that. You know. And I, th- I, th- I don't know. The way that I see it is, and I could be wrong. I just feel like simply, if I respond poorly, she's now at an age where if I genuinely apologize, I think that could be a. A generation. Mm. Not. I'm not saying my mum. My mum apologizes, obviously, but like I feel like the further back you go, a lot of parents back then were like, "Do do not show the kids yeah. that you've made a mistake." But that was because that was then they won't respect your parents. And that was what was taught back then. Yeah. Like you look at how different generations parent their children, and there's certain things that everyone's going to agree on and disagree on mm. within each generation. Like there's a lot that you probably would like. I wouldn't do that with my child, yeah. but then there's a lot that you would do. But you look back. And it was very much like there is that generational gap and you don't – children should be seen, not heard. That whole thing, yeah. which doesn't exist now. Well, yeah. mainly doesn't exist yeah. now. But, yeah. Okay, the last thing I wanted to cover, which I am going to – I've either spoken about this already, <laughs> lol, or um, I'm speaking about it after, but it's the idea of baby brain. Yeah. Because you – Separate because baby brain obviously is like that brain fog, whatever that you get when you're pregnant and also afterwards. And I was talking to you because I was reading out these like studies that I had done a bit of research before this episode. And in general, most women go back to feeling how they felt before six months postpartum. Mm-hmm. And you're like, lol, no way. <laughs> that is not me. But most 
Um, a lot of the brain fog is linked to breastfeeding as well. Which I'm still doing. Which you are still doing. And I have no idea how to stop. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't give you any (laughs) help. (laughs) Would love to be the solution finder here. But, but yeah, but when you breastfeed, there's so many hormones that are being released at the same time. You've got, you know, um, serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin. You've got more of the estrogen, progesterone. There's so many hormones that as far as your normal balance before you were pregnant um, were. So, that causes this imbalance of um, grey matter and white matter Mm -hmm. in the brain, which I find really interesting. Your brain actually makes physical changes when you are pregnant to prepare for the child. My brain's shedding. (laughs) Yeah, like it actually goes through a pruning stage where like your brain prunes off um, connections that it's probably going to find less useful during the first like year or so of the baby's like life. So you're probably more protective and you're more aware and your senses are heightened and totally, you know, totally. I, I through my pregnancy, I, like I was telling you before, I had my senses were so I could hear things three mm. three rooms away. Like it's like I had super and hearing. And your smell. Oh, I, I've always got a strong smell. Chicken oh, being cooked. The shit vomit? that I smelt during my pregnancy, I can't. I don't even want to tell you because it's so fucking gross. Like sitting on a train, I could tell you who showered and who didn't. Like that's, that's fucked. I won't go into it even more, but it's. It was so bad. And then you got gag reflex. So you, yeah. you're sitting on a train, people are just like doing their thing and you're like, oh, I need to move away from this person because I know yeah. that they haven't had a shower. And you couldn't, like yesterday. you had this problem with meat being cooked. Oh. You could Co- not. Like everything, coffee, like, meat, any scent that was not basically natural. So yeah. like fake lavender, fake peppermint, yeah. fake candles was like, just it literally climbed up my sinuses and slapped me around, across the head. And that's that all like the yeah, it's this huge hormonal change that you go through. But then you get baby brain, baby brain. And so tell tell me, how does it feel? Okay, so baby brain Let's talk feels about it. like um, I've got I lose my train of thought constantly. Constantly. Um, it is a I've got like a much smaller pool of words when I'm trying to yes. explain things. Yep. So if I I'm trying to, you know, I, I run training and stuff at work and I think if, it, if it's it's a topic that I'm well-versed on and I've repeated a lot of times, I'm okay. But when I'm talking about something that's a slightly newer topic or something that I haven't covered in a while, I stand there kind of frozen like, um, uh, and I, it, I feel like I'm annoying the people around me yeah. because it's just, I feel a bit mushy. Like I just don't feel like I'm quick like I used yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah. A little bit, yeah, I've like I've lost a few brain cells. But um, the beauty of it is I think a lot of people would be like, oh, fuck. When, when you get it, you mm. think like, fuck, this is like something I now have to adapt to. But it goes away. It does. Yeah. It does. And your brain adapts. The brain's always adapting. And I think your brain's going to adapt, obviously, to the different stages of Luna. But also once, you know, the hormones re-regulate, yeah. then I, you'll be. And there is some stuff that, you know, is – I can see big changes and there's some stuff that is better than mm. it used to be. Like I was – saying before I'm normally absolutely shocking when it comes to being oriented like when I stand in a space if I spin around with my eyes closed I can't tell you which face which way I was facing before I started now since having her I'm so much better and I feel like that's almost like a bit of an instinct a a protective kind of knowing where knowing my bearings well because I'm here looking after another human yep um but yeah it's the baby brain thing is like you get forgetful um, you get just lost in thought or you get hyper-focused on something but then like things could be crumbling around you and you don't even notice. Totally, yeah, totally. Which I find so amazing because I always talk about like brain plasticity and 
um, the mother's brain goes through so much plasticity throughout, like pregnancy and then birth and then adapting and whatever. And it's amazing to see like you get increasing. So grey matter is um, neurons and the synapses as well, but and white matter is the stuff that surrounds the synapses. But you see Mm -hmm. more grey matter grow in certain areas of the brain and reduce in other areas of the brain during pregnancy and childbirth and all of that. But then it's kind of like goes back so. you find I really your like, like homeostasis <laughs> it's good like <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sure it's helpful yeah no and it does it on purpose it it's a survival yeah yeah you and it's a survival it, mechanism yeah. and I think you know when you look at survival um when you first give birth back in the day and you look at how other animals do it you are fully focused on the baby and that you know yeah. and whereas in society a lot of the time you'll give birth but you're expected to bounce back and do everything oh, it's so it's crazy you're gonna notice that deficit in certain areas of focus or attention but you're probably not noticing how much better something you you do but i think a lot of people might not notice that other things are heightened yeah. um but they oh, just feel the overall pressure it's probably. um it's very i remember in the hospital as soon as i had her i was trying to breastfeed her and the nurse kept coming in every now and then and she'd say when was the last time she had a feed and i was like i, I can't tell you i know that she's feeding but mm. the like time yeah. is weird, yeah, yeah, how yeah. long, I don't know. Like, And so I started making notes on my phone and then I got obsessive about tracking it because I was yeah. like, someone's going to ask me and I'm not going to have the answer. So you've got Because like I got really time. uncomfortable with just not being able to naturally respond to a simple question. Yeah. But I can tell you, you know, all the stuff to do with how has she had enough water today? Mm. Has she gone to the toilet enough times? Anything that's like a little bit concerning that no one would even pick up, I'm already sniffing it out totally like before it happened. Yeah. Like it's a really weird – everything else might be falling apart in my life, but I I kind of – I've scanned her. My brain is constantly yeah. scanning her nonstop. Yep. No, 100%. Um, okay, so the last bit to finish, I want to go into what do you think – are the best things that have happened since going through all of this? What is like the biggest like plus or the biggest pluses that you can see? Oh, um, obviously. Luna. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Putting aside your child, but like as far as an individual, because she's obviously, yeah. that's why you, you know. Yeah, I think I, I think I've learned a lot about myself. Um, I think I can appreciate just human development mm. and I never, I've never witnessed it before. Yeah. Obviously, I've, yeah. I've developed as a human myself. But when you watch how people grow and you can literally see the effects of one part of their life, you know, showing up in another part yeah. of their life, you know, putting time and effort into language and, and curious, you know, exploring curiosity. I just feel like when you watch another human grow mm. and you see how flourishing and, you know, how they flourish when you nourish parts of yeah. them, I think – that if that's ha- that's affected me definitely a- a- in terms of how I view myself yeah. in terms in terms of how I I see myself as a this human that needs nourishing so that I can you know yeah. grow and 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 I, obviously a I'm in a different stage of life yeah. but understanding how you you have to kind of be watered to grow kind of thing hundred percent and that yeah. that's a huge lesson that I've taken away from this obviously I've you know I'm I'm learning so many more things and I'm connecting with other people who've got this experience I never understood how insanely difficult being a parent would be. Yeah. And I I would be happy to do it again. That sounds a bit scary, but <laughs> I say <laughs> totally. it with caution, but I would be happy yeah. to do it again. Um, so I'm kind of now on that side. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it is it is absolutely fascinating when you can really step back and enjoy it. 
That's so amazing. Thank yeah. you so much, guys. If you Thank want you. to go and listen to the pooch, the pooch, the pooch it's pooch on. Out. It's on. <laughs> let your pooch out. It's on Apple, Spotify, pretty all of them. Yeah, it's on wherever you listen to your wherever podcasts. Wherever you listen to your podcasts. Oh, thank you, Reggie. Thank you for having me. Oh I my love God. you. I love you. And yes, I'll. Um, I'm gonna go record the intro now. Good times, guys. You've already heard it. Love that. Thank you so much love for coming you. on. Love you. So go listen to the pooch.